Hey everyone, welcome back to Tooth and Claw. On today's episode, we're talking about another shark attack. We hope you enjoy it and learn a little something from it. Oh, and just as a quick little self-plug, we actually just put up our first t-shirt for sale over at our storefront, designed by our friend Robin Banks. You can find that at www.toothandclawpod.com. That's our storefront. And as always, feel free to leave us a review and rating over at Apple Podcasts. It really is a huge help for us. We've seen tons of people are discovering our show since so many of you have taken the time to do that for us, and we will forever be grateful to you. All right, that's enough sweet talking. Let's get to the show. Okay, we're here. We're here doing the podcast. Here we are. <laughs> it's just you. It's bringing just that energy. <laughs> bringing the energy on a morning podcast recording session with two of my best friends in the whole wide world. That doesn't count. I'm your brother. Well, I like- not all brothers are friends, Jeff. Okay. Would you say I'm a top ten friend? Oh yeah, like MySpace. Would I be? Would I be top eight? You'd be top five, dude. Hey, Mike. Well, MySpace is tricky because you have to have like a couple hot chicks on your you top have eight. To. Yeah. <laughs> so then it's really like your best like three guy friends. Right. You'd probably you'd make the cut, Mike. Oh, nice. Even as with both, that stipulation, as a Ooh. hot chick or as one of my guy friends. <laughs> nice. Wes, I got a question for you. Okay. Do the animals like how? How good are they at sensing when a forest fire is close to them? Uh, I think they're pretty good at it. Like right next to them. <laughs> I think they're really good at that. <laughs> <laughs> I think they know when that's happening. Uh, I am always kind of surprised how many animals, animals get are amazing. burned up in forest fires, though. Are there any animals that like can survive when the fire goes over them like bugs or something yeah there's probably stuff that lives underground that survives it but i think everything above ground pretty much gets burned up but they're pretty good at running away before it gets there what bugs no just like deer and (laughs) i think so bears (laughs) and stuff i think you know every whenever there's a big one there's always some animals that get burned and Mm. i think it's ones that just get really confused and go the wrong way or something um, I don't think they're just like standing there and then the fire just burns them and they're like, oh, shoot. I think they like make a mistake. <laughs> yeah. But I, I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, yeah, I think they just kind of get panicked and go the wrong way. And mm. sometimes the fire is just faster than them. Yeah. I mean, sometimes people get burned up in them too. And we're pretty smart usually. So, yeah, we do like send people to parachute into them though, too. Totally. But like just non non smoke jumpers get burned sometimes too. Yeah, that's a great question though, Jeff. Thanks. Yeah, I should have made it a listener question. Well, you know, it's a host question. Uh, you guys ready to talk about sharks? Always cool. Um, I want to do a quick. You know, so we, it's been a little while since we've done this, but let's do a quick podcast mission statement. I thought you were gonna say since the last time we've said I love you. No, oh, we can do that too. I love you guys. Love you too, Wes. Yeah. I love you guys. So really this podcast- That should be a mission statement. That we love each other? Yeah. <laughs> this podcast is about animal attacks, but we're trying to do it from a very animal-centric position. We're not. We're telling stories about people, and we obviously care about you know what, what's happening to these people, and it's awful when this kind of stuff happens. But our main goal is to talk about the animals, how people can avoid future problems with that specific animal, and also just like learning about the animals so that you can better appreciate them and not be afraid of them when you're out in the in the woods or in the ocean or whatever it might be. So really what we're trying to do is educate 
people through the storytelling to help them have more confidence, not to necessarily be more afraid of the animal. Um, and that's kind of a fine line to walk. I, I guarantee you there are people that hear these stories that it might make them more afraid, but that's not our goal. Our goal is to give you the information you need to feel more confident when you're outside or when you're around these different kind of animals. That's what we want. And hopefully that's working for some of you. And if it is, let us know in our reviews on Apple Podcasts. Yeah, I was going to say, it's been really cool. We've gotten some feedback from people who have had um, bear encounters and other things. They have said, I remembered what they said in Tooth and Claw. Yeah. So I knew not to run and I had my bear spray ready. Totally. And it's like really cool to hear people tell us that they had a bear who was like acting aggressive towards them and they were prepared because they listened to this podcast. It's it's truly like the best compliment we can get, like mm-hmm. more so than anything else. So yeah, we're really happy you guys are listening. Uh we, we love I heard all our someone listeners. someone said that they were prepared to grab the bear cub and hold it over the cliff. Like I had suggested in one of our grizzly bear episodes. Yeah, so, yeah. don't do that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Remember anything, pretty much just listen to what I say when it comes to the, <laughs> the safety stuff. Yeah. Um, all right. So we are not, we're talking about sharks today. They're probably, I think of all the animals we talk about, sharks are the group of animals that people have the most fear over, like instilled fear that they can't really shake. Myself included, like of all of our animals, they're the ones like when I'm out in the open ocean by myself, I start thinking about sharks. I don't necessarily do that in the woods or anything with bears and mountain lions. But when I'm bobbing around in the ocean, sharks pop into my head almost I every think time. snakes and spiders might give them a run for their money. On That's that, true. But. They, they more like give people the willies than anything. But I think as far as real fear of like dying, it might be sharks. But who knows? Okay. You mm. might be right. Yeah. Anyway, today we're going to talk about bull sharks, which are shark species that are really infamous for attacks. Uh, There are a lot of attacks from bull sharks all over the world, but we're going to talk about a specific attack that happened in Cancun, Mexico. So are you guys ready for the story? Me gusta Mexico. Uh, También me gusta. If there's anywhere I'd want to get attacked, it'd be in Cancun, because at least it'd be beautiful. Yeah, sure. Yeah? Yeah. Does that make it better? Uh, I I I think so. Yeah, probably. At least you're not yeah. at least you're not like cold when you're out on the beach like bleeding out. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's get well, would you want to get Would you want to get attacked <laughs> yeah. in like a a garbage dump or something? Maybe. Really? Maybe. At least then I'm not like, oh man, I could be at the beach right now if I like <laughs> wasn't just bit by a shark. But you are at the beach. Well, not but then your vacation gets cut short and you're all sad. So you'd rather be in a, you'd sad. rather be in a garbage dump, <laughs> attacked by a shark. I'll have to think about it. Garbage All dumps right. are cool though. You can find a lot of free stuff. <laughs> I got a cool TV once. All right, this this episode's already off the rails. Uh, all right, so <laughs> this attack happened on January thirty first, two thousand eleven. Uh, it happened to thirty nine year old Nicole Moore. So Nicole was staying at the Grand Park Royal Cancun Carib in Cancun, Mexico with some friends from an exercise class. They all exercise together. They're really active people. And they had traveled from Orangeville, Ontario, which is a small town a bit north of Toronto. And they went to Mexico just to kind of get out of the cold, uh, enjoy some beautiful white sand beaches, uh, the crystal clear blue water. If you've ever been to the Yucatan Peninsula, if you've been to Cancun or Cozumel or any of those places, Tulum, you know just how beautiful it is there. It's a wonderful part of the world. 
So, Nicole and the group had just finished playing some beach volleyball, and her friends, after they finished up, they decided they'd go back into the hotel, shower off, get cleaned up. But she was like, hey, I'm on the beach, the ocean's right there, I'm just going to go jump in the ocean to cool off. So she's walking towards the water, she's feeling the cool breeze of the ocean, she's probably just having, you know, a really amazing time in Cancun, but what she doesn't realize is that her life is about to change very drastically. So, just offshore there's two large bull sharks, and they're patrolling the shallow water looking for fish, maybe even a sea turtle, and as they're patrolling this water and hunting around for fish and and food, Two male staff members of the resort, and I'm unclear whether these guys were like out patrolling or if they're just kind of out having fun, but they're out on wave runners and they notice these two large sharks. So they turn their wave runners toward the sharks and attempt to scare them off. So they're kind of buzzing them with their wave runners. And this worked with one of the sharks and it bolted for deeper water, but the other one turned and swam toward the shore. So Nicole is enjoying this water, and as she's swimming around, she's probably like waist deep. She looks out towards the horizon and she sees these two Mexican guys on wave runners and they're waving their arms and they're yelling in her direction. And initially she thinks, oh, these guys are just kind of having fun and messing around and they're not really looking at me. But then she sees that they're focused on her and they're waving their arms and they're yelling and they're yelling something in Spanish that she couldn't understand. And that word is tiberon. So nice. Yeah. Jeff, you speak some Spanish. You know what tiberon means. Shark. Yep. Shark. Shacks. (laughs) Shacks. Uh, I mean, I feel like I would assume that, or I don't know what I would think if I didn't know understand the, what they were saying, yeah, but they I were saw decent, them doing that. And they were a decent ways away, and she could kind of just hear that word. Um, mm-hmm. It's not, and like, she didn't even know if they were upset yet or not. Well, and the thing is, she's only in waist-deep water. Exactly. If I'm in, like, waist-deep water, I'm not thinking about sharks when yet. You, if you're in a beautiful Caribbean place like that, and you run out in the water, you don't think about it. You know, you're just out in the water. It feels I think about it if I warm. like swim out like right. 30 feet, you right. know? No, you don't. I've seen you do that and you don't think well, about I it. Well, I think about it. I just don't care. <laughs> All right. So these guys are yelling Tiberon at her. She starts to realize something's wrong and she turns to wade back through the, this waist deep water when she feels a bump from behind. So instantly she realizes what the warnings had been about and she knows what's happening. And then she feels teeth sink into the flesh of her left thigh and they go all the way in and scrape against her femur bone. Jeez. Um, she then watches in horror as the water all around her turns bright red, and a big bull shark rips over a foot of skin and flesh from her leg. Uh, Sounds kind of beautiful. Just all the, the water turning red? Red, the crystal blue water turning red slowly. You got to yeah. be careful with that, no, too, because that blood will attract sharks. <laughs> all right so uh, a little bit about sharks bull sharks um females are roughly eight feet long they weigh about 300 pounds males are slightly smaller with these sharks Uh, the longest bull shark ever recorded was about 13 feet long and then the heaviest was around 900 pounds they have a 1300 psi bite force which with great whites they haven't really ever measured it accurately but they guess it could be around 4000 psi but apparently for like stuff that's been accurately measured for fish that are cartilaginous, I'm probably saying that wrong, but fish that have cartilage instead of bone, bull sharks have pound for pound the highest PSI bite force. Of fish. Of cartilage fish. Cart- I can't say the word, but fish that have cartilage skeleton. Yeah, I think that's it. Instead of um, bone skeletons. So like sharks, mm. rays, skates, sawfish, all of those are 
cartilage. So they got a pretty whatever. strong bite. They got a bite. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so as I mentioned, they have cartilage instead of bone for their skeletons. If she bit it back, it wouldn't really care. Probably not. Yeah. Okay. Probably mm. not. They go through tens what of thousands. Like on the tip of the dorsal fin. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Sure. Whoa. Shark. Shark fins. That's not. We don't eat that. We're not eating. You don't want anyone fins, biting guys. that. Yeah. That's a good point. All right, so they go through tens of thousands of teeth in their lifetime. And when we did our Great White episode, and I believe our Oceanic White Tip episode as well, we mentioned this, and I wasn't totally clear on the process there. And I I got some more clarification. And essentially, they have like a, a groove in their jaw where teeth are just constantly growing, and they move up into their gums as needed. So it's almost like this little conveyor belt of teeth. And oh, their te- our teeth are rooted into our jaws. Like we have pretty much like roots on your teeth that go all the way into your jawbone. They don't have that. So they're pretty much loose in their gums. And that's why they lose a lot of teeth, but it's also why they can produce so many. So they can go through tens of thousands of teeth in their life. Do you think it bothers them to lose teeth? Like, does it hurt? I don't think so. I don't think it hurts like it does for us just again, because we have so many roots and nerves and stuff. I think for them, they just kind of pop out. But that's that's a good question. Yeah. So um, why are they why are they called bull sharks? What's the uh, yeah? What's, so what's the from, tie there? From what I read, it's it's mostly because they're they're like they're stocky looking, and they have this broad nose, and then they have a really aggressive behavior. So people call them bull sharks because bulls are aggressive and kind of stocky and whatnot. But yeah, I mean, I that's that's kind of what I gathered. It's a little unclear still, but as far as I know, that was the main reason. Uh, so they have, we've talked about this with their other shark species, they have electroreceptors called ampullae de Lorenzini. Um, those ampullae de Lorenzini can detect uh, electrical fields of their prey. Go ahead, if you guys want to make the ampullae Lorenzini joke again. I know you both do so bad. <laughs> You're uh, just thinking about my Olive Garden I joke am. again. They also have lateral lines, which almost all fish have, and lateral lines pick up different frequencies in the water. So, for example, if there's like struggling prey or something, they can pick up that frequency of struggling prey. Um, mm. Oh, interesting. So like, like all sharks, they're just really built for being predators. I mean, they have all these different senses. They have an amazing uh, sense of smell, too, with their um, their olfaction, like where they can pick up the tiniest bits of blood in the water and follow that. Yeah, I'm I'm actually looking at a picture right now. Their nose looks like it's built for smelling. It's got like it, it actually kind of does look like a bull snout almost with like the, you know, yeah. you can kind of imagine a septum piercing like you see in totally. cartoon bulls. Yeah, uh, that'd be sweet. And yeah. if you want to if you want to hear more <laughs> about like how well they can pick up different scents. Um, it's similar to Great Whites, and we talk a, a lot about that in our Great White episode. Um, so go ahead and listen to that. But for now, we're not going to get too bogged down in, in that so part that, of their biology. That sensory thing where they sense prey moving around, that's their why you're not line. supposed to like splash much yep. when you see a shark. Yeah, so both those ampullated Lorenzini, which pick up electrical fields, and then the lateral line, which picks up different like frequencies in the water. Those are, yeah, those really, especially the lateral line and well, especially the ampulated Lorenzi, both of them. If you're splashing around in the water and making a lot of noise, they know that you're struggling. And that to them is like, oh, this is easy prey. Okay. So one of the coolest things about bull sharks is that they are found throughout warm coastal waters in the world, but they're also found in freshwater, um, which means they're oh, weird. deodromous. I might be pronouncing that wrong too, but it pretty much means fish that can exist in both fresh and salt water. 
So bull sharks inhabit a large number of rivers and lakes throughout the world, including the Mississippi River, uh, the Ganges no River, way. the Zambezi River, the Tigris River, and Lake Nicaragua. So guess I'm how just far... imagining a Huckleberry Finn encountering a bull shark in yeah, his I mean, little Mississippi it's, trip. It's not impossible. <laughs> like, guess how far up the Mississippi they've been found? Oh, all the way. Oh, that's yeah, where does the Arctic? Where right. does it go to the Arctic? <laughs> I don't think so. No, the headwaters of the Mississippi are in like Michigan or Minnesota, one of those M states. They've made um, it to the top. No, so they've been found 700 miles up the Mississippi in Alton, Illinois, Jeez, which is much further than I would have guessed. I would have thought they would be found in like Louisiana or something, but they've made it all the way up to Illinois. And then in the Amazon River, they've made it two or 2,500 miles all the way up to Iquitos, Peru. So they was pretty much swam the entire distance of Brazil. That's incredible. Peru. Yeah. So people like in the Mississippi River need to worry about shark attacks? Not really. So that's the thing is they are, they, they're, they're considered one of the big three, which means um, they're responsible for a lot of attacks. Them, white sharks tiger sharks are the three big ones. Um, Great whites have done the most. Then I believe tiger sharks have a slight edge on bull sharks and then bull sharks, but they hardly ever attack in freshwater. It's incredibly rare. My big three is great whites, (laughs) tiger sharks, and white tip sharks. That's true. Because I count all the shipwreck Yes, and there is some, there is some uh, little bit of debate (laughs) over that. big three. Whether or not, you know, these oceanic white tip attacks on on people and shipwrecks should count. But as far as uh, the international shark attack file, which is kind of what they use for shark attacks, they don't count That's those. the big three. Yeah, mm-hmm. so the big three are great whites, which have 333 total attacks in that shark attack file. Tiger sharks, which have 131. And bull sharks, which have 117. Okay. Um, there are a lot of shark attacks that happen where they don't know the species and there's a good chance that a lot of those are bull sharks um so Mm. it's likely higher than what than what we're hearing here that's surprising that megalodons didn't make the big three uh it's not surprising (laughs) because they're extinct uh yep yeah no they're just below that surface they're in the like the very deep ocean and they can't get out because of that atmospheric pressure or not atmospheric but the pressure down below oh, okay. if you watch State. the movie it yeah. explains it all <laughs> see okay that makes sense yeah <laughs> the jason statham movie yeah. yeah okay i gotta watch uh, that again anyway it's pretty cool that they don't just like go into freshwater they actually live in freshwater sometimes i know it's really cool so i was in guatemala a lot but everyone i met people from nicaragua and they would always brag about how they have sharks in the yeah. lake nicaragua and i was like what yeah, that's that. That can't be right. And those ones just like live there full time. That's crazy. Uh, you guys, have you guys seen Sharknado? No, I saw the clip in Sharknado three with Conan O'Brien, where he's like <laughs> yelling at a. It's a it's a great clip. He's just yelling for like one straight minute and then uh, gets eaten by a shark. Okay. Um, anyway, Sharknado is about like sharks getting you know they're in a tornado getting sucked out of the ocean and then they get thrown out on land. Yeah. And it's actually not too far from the truth because what? sometimes when huge <laughs> storms show up, like big cyclones and hurricanes and floods and stuff, bull sharks will show up in really crazy places like people's backyards, flooded streets. There's some really crazy photos of bull sharks in Australia in like this guy's garden and stuff. It's pretty wild. 
So it's actually so like Sharknado. Could based happen. on based on true events. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. So they I should think... put that at the start of the movie, like in Fargo. <laughs> yeah, based on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so as far as attacks, though, with bull sharks, they are pretty aggressive in territorial sharks, and they do hunt in shallow coastal waters. So that's the main reason why they are responsible for so many attacks on people, and that's exactly what is happening to Nicole here. She's in shallow coastal water. And she's dealing with a very aggressive territorial shark. All right, so let's get back to our story. So Nicole had just barely been bitten in the leg by this bull shark, and it ripped over a foot of flesh and skin from her leg. She felt no pain, but she knew she had to get out of the water, and her left leg is completely useless at this point. So she, instead of trying to kick with her feet or walk out, she tries to swim with her arms. And when she does that, the shark circles around, rushes forward again and grabs her left arm in its jaws and completely shreds her flesh and it starts trying to pull her underwater by that arm. Oh, man. So she's a mother of Seems two. Seems like that should hurt. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, yeah, she probably felt this one. She's a mother of two and she instantly starts thinking about her children and realizing if she doesn't act, she there's it's very well, you know, that she could die on that beach. So yeah. she raises her right arm, she clenches her fist and brings it down super hard on the snout of the shark starts punching it, and causes it to immediately swim off. Oh, wow. Yeah, so she's really, I mean, and as we mentioned, like, she's very active. This is a tough person. She's got a good punch. Yeah, and so she hits it pretty hard from what I gathered. She's now on the edge of consciousness. She's motionless from, like, the devastation of her wounds. She can hardly move. And then also just the total trauma and shock of this attack. So one of these guys that was on the wave runner comes up to her. He locks fingertips with her grabs her by her good arm and actually like just tows her into the shore, leaving a trail of blood the entire way. So um, wait, that was the end of the, the, the shark punch worked. Yeah, it worked. It got Whoa, it. That's pretty cool. I think this guy on the wave runner showed up pretty quickly after as well. Okay. And I'm going to tell you why I think that in a little bit. Um, well, if there's anything we've learned from tooth and claw, just any animal attack, you got just punch him in, punch the, him face. in the face. If you're actually being <laughs> attacked, by some animals, that does work. You don't want to yeah. do that with a grizzly bear. If you remember our story just a couple episodes ago of the guy that punched the grizzly bear in the face. Well, okay. Like a the spider snake. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Spider or rattlesnake. You <laughs> the punch spider those. would probably work. Uh, so this guy beaches his wave runner and he drags Nicole up onto the shore where she's finally able to get a good look at her wounds. And she had some medical experience and she knew that she was in trouble. She knew that she had to maintain consciousness and that she had to get help. So she yells at this small crowd that's gathering around her and she's pleading with them to talk to her and to help keep her awake because she doesn't want to pass out. As she's laying in the sand, this part was just gnarly to me, each heartbeat, she could feel her heart beating and each heartbeat caused a severed artery in her leg to spurt blood over a foot up into the air and splash down onto the sand. So she's as she's laying there and her heart's beating, she's watching blood just squirting out of her leg onto the sand, and it's going a foot up in the air. Um, That would be weird to watch, Yeah, your own body do that. Yeah, I mean, I had a friend come over the other day, uh, Trav. Shout out to Trav. Where is this going? uh, He tried to, (laughs) I have like a cyst in my wrist right now, and he tried to like pop it. And when he did that, he's a doctor. I like almost passed out because like he shot all the stuff into my arm and I felt my something inside of my wrist pop. And I'm kind of, I guess I, I'm not great with that stuff. I've never had problems before. And so I don't know how people who are like watching their artery 
spurting blood into the sand manage to stay conscious. It's crazy to me. Like, yeah. you got to yeah. be pretty tough. But I don't really have problems with blood, I guess. So Just you with- think that you pretty much, what happened yesterday was pretty equivalent to what's happening Well, to this her, was a while right? ago. No, I'm saying no, that, like, I'm saying a stupid little thing like having a cyst pop inside of my wrist, yeah. like, made me made my brain like break enough to where it was like hey maybe you should just pass out for this you know mm. and it's yeah not like- i popped a pimple once so it was really <laughs> passed out yeah and it, no but <laughs> maybe it's like watching your artery spurt blood yeah maybe mm. or i pop- don't think so <laughs> but uh anyway i listened uh, to a story about this guy i know who had a cyst get popped and uh-huh. it made me want to <laughs> just are we talking about passing out or just it falling was asleep? inside of my wrist. That's the weird thing. Like, I couldn't see it, and I felt it explode inside my wrist. Anyway, doesn't matter. It wasn't like it scared me. It just, for some reason, I got, I don't know, lightheaded. Okay, yeah. let's get back no, to you're strong. Story. You're strong, Wes. You're a strong <laughs> Shut guy. Up. All right. <laughs> so, an American tourist was nearby. She, he, she had lost a ton of blood at this point. Like, she had lost a bunch of blood in the water. Now she's still losing it on the beach. You bleed out quick when you have a severed artery. And yeah. she was actually having a hard time breathing because that blood is is recycling a lot of, or is moving a lot of oxygen through your body. So she was actually having a hard time bleeding because she had lost so much blood. So this American tourist who was nearby actually put his hands over the severed artery and kept them there the entire time she was on the beach, doing his best to keep some steady pressure and, and to prevent further blood loss, which very well could have saved her life. Two young nurses also showed up and they asked if anyone had something that could be used for a tourniquet and a Canadian tourist ripped the string from his shorts and they tied that around her upper arm because her arm is also totally mangled. She's teetering on the edge of consciousness and she hears a bystander say, she's going to die. You don't lose that amount of blood and not die. So there's like a real pessimistic bystander. That's a, that's a peanut gallery for the ages. Yeah. Everyone I'm probably so mad like, at that. got mad at him. Yeah, he's like, what did I say? Yeah, what did I say? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if I heard someone say that, I'd be like, what the hell, man? <laughs> anyway, she's thinking about her kids. She's thinking about her husband, the rest of her family as she passes, you know, she passes out, slips into unconsciousness just as she hears the sirens arriving from the ambulance. She's rushed to the hospital. Her body's actually starting to shut down as they arrive to the hospital. She's no longer breathing on her own. Her organs are shutting down. And they do an eight-hour operation, this Mexican hospital staff, to put an artificial bloodline that'll pump blood directly to her heart. So that's the first thing they have to do is just get her blood flowing again. So one crazy thing about this story, and this was something I said I was going to come back to, someone went out in the water and they found this foot-long piece of flesh and skin that the shark had torn off. And that's what makes me think that that guy on the Wave Runner probably came back in pretty quick because bull sharks, when they feel threatened, they'll regurgitate what they just ate as an attempt to distract whatever predator might be coming in to kill them. So Uh, my hmm. thought is that this the shark was meaning to, to take a bite out of her and eat her, but it didn't have time to actually eat it and it spit it out as it swam away. Um, it could in have also been like her. like a great white, and then the great white would eat that meat instead of the shark. Yeah, or like another bigger bull shark or something. Uh, that yeah. also could have been her hitting it on the nose that caused it to do that. But it could be one of those things. Anyway, mm. someone finds this like huge chunk of flesh and skin, and they rush it to the hospital. Or her friend gets it and rushes it to the hospital. And the doctor has to attempt to reattach this flesh, this 
doctor in Cancun, but they don't, for whatever reason, they don't attach a vein to that flesh. And, uh, and it really, it's already like been a, a while since the shark bit it off. So it's already starting to die and kind of go bad. And, uh, uh she- her shredded arm is also starting to turn a little bit black. So her husband, uh, Jay, he had arrived in this hospital. He had heard what happened. He flew out and he saw that Nicole was like completely in agony from the pain and the treatments and everything. And six days later, he finally gets like the go ahead to take her to Toronto where she's going to be treated by like renowned plastic surgeons and some really great doctors. So these doctors in Toronto, when they removed the bandages from that piece of flesh that had been attached and they didn't attach the vein, they um, were like overwhelmed by the smell of the rotting Uh, flesh and uh, they found sand and dried salt from salt water and everything in this wound, like a bunch of sand. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. Probably sucks to get bit by a shark because you just get dragged onto the sand afterwards and all your wounds are like filled up with sand. Yeah, and like who knows what the, you know, I I don't want to point fingers at this, this crew, this hospital crew that worked on her in Mexico because... They likely saved her life by putting in that bloodline, or they for sure saved her life. But as far as cleaning this wound, they didn't do the best job because you really need to get any kind of debris out, like any sand, anything can cause an infection. And unfortunately, they didn't do that. They did save her life and she credits them with that. But then she also thinks that maybe some of the complications she suffered were from them not cleaning it out quite as well. Um, So they, these doctors had to remove that, that chunk of skin uh, and flesh and then they used gallons of saline solution to wash out the leftover sand and debris. I was going to be surprised if the chunk of skin worked. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I agree. So uh, a few days later, she oh, they're, they're also like they had to cut a bunch of dead tissue away from her arm. And they realized there's no blood supply to her hand or fingers, too. And so that is also starting to die. A few days later, she has another operation where they took tissue from her right leg and they placed it on her left femur where she had the big bite. And uh, the doctors felt like that operation went well, but usually you have about 48 hours for one of those grafts to really work. And if it doesn't work in that time, they think that it's probably not going to work. And they thought that it was going to work because after 48 hours, everything looked fine and they kept checking on it. Things looked good. But then after about six days, circulation finally stopped in that graft and they saw that it was starting to die, and they made the difficult decision to just remove the graft, and she was just going to have this big kind of gaping hole in her leg forever. So she was pretty devastated. She was really hoping that would work, but then all this outpouring of support from her friends and her family and her community really helped her feel a lot better. And throughout this whole ordeal, um, her doctors mentioned over and over again just how tough and positive she actually was because it's a pretty bum deal. Like you get part of your leg ripped away, your arms totally shredded. You have like some weird medical complications didn't necessarily need to happen. You've been in the hospital for a long time. It'd be hard to stay positive during that. And apparently Nicole was like a real trooper. So nice job, Nicole. Yeah, good job, Nicole. A few weeks later, she gets some more bad news. There's still no circulation in her arm. She's cut from her beach volleyball team. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, No circulation in her arm. Doctors aren't able to save it, and they actually have to amputate her arm. Uh. So a few weeks later, on March 25th, it had been almost two months since she'd been attacked. She was finally discharged from the hospital. She had a large hole in her leg, a stump for her left arm, and she still had months of painful physical therapy ahead of her, but she was finally able to go home after two months. 
Nicole had to undergo a bunch more surgeries. She still has phantom pain in her arm that prevents her from wearing a prosthetic. It just hurts too much when she puts it on. Um, But she's very active and she moonlights as a motivational speaker, which is cool. We've had a few people now that we've talked about that ended up being motivational speakers. She actually also, uh, she created a community online for people that are dealing with the trauma of shark attacks. And she's been, the coolest thing to me is that she's actually been like a really strong voice for shark conservation. She doesn't hate sharks. Um, I think after her attack, the Mexican government there tried to kill a bunch of sharks in that area. And she was like horrified by that. And she's been on a bunch of shows and stuff telling people about her encounter and why we shouldn't necessarily blame sharks and sharks are just doing what they do. So she's really, I mean, I really think Nicole's very inspirational in a lot of different ways. All right. So that's actually our story. I really liked this one. I thought it was interesting. Cancun and Mexico are actually not high. You don't have a high probability of being attacked by a shark there. Quintana Roo, which is like the state that Cancun's in, has only had eight shark attacks on the shark attack file since 1907. So there's really not that many. It's it's really a not a common place for shark attacks. And I believe hers is like the only one where someone lost a limb or, or whatever. So, okay, do you guys have any questions about the story? I was going to ask you, you think that it'd be a good idea to do like the running of the bulls with bull sharks in like water? The, the swimming like of the these, bulls? Yeah, you got to swim away from them. Uh, I, I don't know. Probably not. No. <laughs> Uh, Mike, do you yeah, have I'll questions? Say, I I'll say no to that, too. Oh, you're asking for questions? Yeah. Um, no. You you did a good job. You covered all the bases. Hey, thanks, bud. I all my curiosities it. were dispelled. All right. Well, let's uh, let's rank this on our ouchie scale. Uh, Jeff, you want to go first? Yeah. I'm going to give it... I'm going to give it a nine. A nine? Whoa. Yeah. Do you care to explain yourself? Sure. Well... Whenever, like, you get an injury that you don't feel right away, those ones are, like, the really bad ones. I agree. It's like your body doesn't even know how much pain to send you yet, you know? And then she almost died. She watched herself squirting blood, so that's, like, the traumatic part of it. And it still hurts her years later because of the phantom pain. The phantom pain is what pushes it from like an eight to nine for me. Okay. And just like two months in the hospital, that's a long time to just be getting surgeries. Yeah. yeah. A hospital in Cancun, though. That's no, sweet. she's only there for like five days. And then oh. she's mostly in the hospital in Toronto. <laughs> she got, oh, never mind. She got salt water and sand, sand. in the wound. It hurts to get so sand. So that would hurt. Yeah. Yeah. And salt water. Mike, what do you think? Yeah, so I was going to go with a nine for all the same reasons. But what pushes it up personally from an eight to a nine to me is I hate when you're at the beach and you're all wet and then you get in sand and you're just all sandy. (laughs) That's That's really uncomfortable. That's a whole ouchie point for you. Yeah. All right. I was actually, I was going to say like seven, seven and a half, but I think Jeff convinced me to do an eight or maybe even an eight and a half. I think... You're right. Her ordeal lasted a long time. It's ongoing. Like she's still feeling pain, which isn't typical for our people. So, yeah. you know, I might even I might even bump it up to a nine. She lost an oh, arm. I sold you. Yeah, you really did. Another uh, thing that convinced me too to go to a nine is that 
there was just such um, peaks and valleys of hopes and then loss and then yeah. getting those hopes dashed, like your skin is mm. back, but they didn't do it right. right. I don't know. It just seems like a psychological battle at yeah. a certain point, even almost as much as a physical one. Yeah. So, you know, that kind of story would make someone a really good motivational speaker. Yeah. So how many ouchies for the shark? Uh, Like maybe a half ouchie or one ouchie. For getting hit in Gun the bumped on nose, the snout. yeah, and then it threw. Well, off. I was just thinking, I was just thinking, like, if I was eating pizza uh-huh. and someone punched me in the nose, yeah, I don't think I would spit out the pizza, would I? What if it was like a threat, and you thought maybe you were about to be eaten by something that wanted that pizza more than you? Then I would probably spit it out. Okay. Yeah, I think a gut punch would be more likely to do it than that. Yeah. Right. But what if someone punched you in the nose and you had like a mouthful of food? You think you would swallow or spit it out? (laughs) Probably would fall out. I wouldn't like spit it out, but I don't think I'd swallow either. That's a good question. It would just fall out. You don't open your mouth, right? When you get punched in the face? I don't know. Maybe. All right. No, I guess. That's a really good question, Josh. It is a good question. Maybe we should start doing ouchies for our animals, too. Um, (laughs) I'm going to give it a two. Let's get into our categories. So we've done a couple shark episodes already, so I wasn't just going to do our typical pop culture category. So rather than just picking your favorite pop culture shark from history, what I'm going to do this time is your favorite show that jumped the shark. Uh, so for those of you who have never heard the term jump the shark before, it pretty much means like when a show just totally goes off the rails or like gets into a plot line that just like makes no sense whatsoever. And it's it originated with Happy Days when the Fonz was like water skiing and he literally like jumped over a shark and people thought it was so stupid that, and the show was bad from there on out that they call that jumping the shark. So I want you guys to pick a show that you watched that you feel like just completely jumped the shark. And I'll go first just so you guys can have an idea of what I'm looking for. I almost embarrassingly for a while watched the show True Blood, which was on HBO. It's like a vampire show that was mostly just like an easy excuse for like a lot of gratuitous sex scenes. <laughs> uh, and it, I like enjoyed that show for a little while. And then there was a season where they got into like this weird fairy subplot and things got real weird and real mystical and super dumb and it really jumped the shark for me like i hated that show after that so that's my that's my you'll do vampires but not fairies it it just was too much it went too far (laughs) okay true blood sounds like the kind of show a shark would really like oh yeah that's a good point (laughs) the first three like the first two or three seasons of true blood are great especially the Mm. first season after that terrible show Still worth watching or no? Watch the first season. Okay. Yeah. I'll put it down. Put okay. it on my list. Um, why don't you guys go next? At the same time? No. <laughs> All right. Three, <laughs> two, after I count down from we can't three. Do uh, so I'm going to go with a movie franchise. I'm going with Fast and the Furious. I recently watched the ninth one. Yeah. And it's just Ooh, bonkers. Boy. Yeah. Like oh. cars, somehow you can fall like... A hundred feet as long as you land on a moving car. Yeah. And then it like doesn't hurt at all. Yeah, it's like yeah. landing on a mattress. <laughs> what do you think the moment was though in the the franchise that really just was like, okay, we've gone too far now? Probably when for Paul me, Walker died. Yeah. I feel like they were all good like, when Paul Walker was in him. Six had some problems with like the airport 
where the runway was just like yeah. 10 miles long. Yeah. It's just like, what's happening? <laughs> it was like 500 miles long. <laughs> yeah. But seven, I liked a lot, even though it was like kind of ridiculous. But for yeah. me, eight and nine were the only ones where I just didn't really like care that much about the movie. Okay. In Hobbs I liked, and Shaw. I liked nine. I didn't like eight at all. Me and Mike saw nine together. He got like dogpiled by 20 people and just got up and tore the whole building down. Yeah, he's a superhero at this point. Yeah. <laughs> Incredible. Power of family. Yeah, that's mine. And Dexter kind of did when he started dating his sister. That's an honorable mention. Mike? So I've been rewatching MASH. Uh, okay. <laughs> nice. I know. We'll get a lot of people. Wow. All our MASH friend fans. <laughs> All out our there. 80-year-olds. Um, I have like this whole list of movies I've told Mike to watch. And, he's and it's like MASH. He's just rewatching <laughs> MASH. <laughs> it's a good show, okay? There's a reason oh. why. What the I think the series finale is still like the most watched television event ever, I think. Yeah. Uh it's so MASH kind of had more of a gradual jumping of the shark, but I think the one moment that really sticks out to me is when radar leaves the show that's probably not gonna mean anything to anybody it doesn't except for the one mash fan out there but that that cool. person knows what i'm talking about for all of our 80 plus uh, octogenarians octogenarian out there. listeners you finally got your mash reference <laughs> hit right. me up in the dms i'm always ready to talk about mash <laughs> okay uh all right so our next our next category is going to be our cage match uh for the sake of time Let's just um, let's let's forego our our introduction. I think at this point everyone knows what our cage match is, and let's just do our cage match, animal v animal, just our animals that live in water. Let's go, baby. Yeah, go, go. Uh, so bull best sharks, fight I'm guessing is alligator. Yeah, I would agree with oh, that. Yeah. I think that's probably our best fight. Them and alligators, and them and oceanic white tips. I think would be our best fights. It depends. Like, if we're looking at like our biggest bull shark versus biggest alligator, I'd probably give a slight edge. I don't know. That's a good fight. Yeah, I don't know. I will say, uh, Nile crocodiles have been known to kill bull sharks. Saltwater crocodiles have been known to kill bull sharks. Oh um, yeah. Great white sharks can kill bull sharks. Orcas could definitely kill bull sharks. So they lose all those battles. A hippo could definitely kill a bull shark. They lose that one. Jaguars can. I've seen that. Yeah. Have you? I saw a jaguar pull a shark out of a river. Really? In person? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's like a video. On okay. It. Well, then it was probably a bull shark. Uh, probably a little baby one, though. Yeah, it's pretty small. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, there are some of our animals can kill bull sharks. Our our marine animals. We haven't even done jaguars yet. So let's uh, <laughs> let's say what about a polar bear versus a bull shark in the water? I would probably give it to the bull shark. Just because yeah. the polar bear doesn't have any way to get like leverage in the water, really. But I don't know. That's but a tough one. They do kill animals underwater, they do. right? They do. Uh, that's a tough one. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, that's a good and and they are marine mammals, so we should put them in the marine systems. It kind of changes it up. Yeah, a it bit. does. It, it, that could go either way. I think. Turns out bull sharks aren't as tough as they'd like to have us think. Uh, they're pretty tough sharks. <laughs> it's just that we've done some pretty tough marine animal animals. Mm. Okay, so uh, let's do our... Do you guys want to do our bet category? Yeah. Okay. Bet number... These make me so nervous. I'm going to go 30 seconds. Okay. I'm going to put the number at 15. What is it? What am I naming? Uh, Types of shark. Okay, so I'm going to bet that Wes can name 
So wait, right, no, the number so is I'm 14 and a half. 14 and a half. Okay, yeah. yeah. So I'm I'm going to I've got confidence in Wes. He's let me down once, but that can't happen okay. twice. Okay. So and you owe me how much right now? Uh, like 15 or something. 10 bucks. Yeah. Okay. okay. Right. Tell me when. Ready, set, go. Great white shark, salmon shark, mako shark, tiger shark, bull shark, oceanic white tip shark, gray reef shark, Caribbean reef shark, whale shark, basking shark, mega mouth shark, uh, dogfish, wabagong shark, uh, nurse shark, carpet shark. Yes. Uh, let me think. Dusky shark, bronze whaler shark, Galapagos shark. Um, man, there's so many sharks. Uh, Black tip shark. Nice. Okay. Holy cow. We'll count the last one. So that's right. 19. Good job. Okay. Mike, I think, think Wabagong and back. Carpet Shark might be the same shark, but I'm not sure. Okay. 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 Well, I think you made up Wabagon shark. No, Wabagon's like a weird Australian <laughs> shark that has all these. I think that's a Pokemon. Mm. Uh, <laughs> all right. Jeff, you're up five bucks on Mike in the bets. Yeah. Let's do. What would you and what would you guys do? What would Mike and Jeff do if you were attacked by a shark in waist deep water, a bull shark in Cancun, Mexico? Um, yeah, I'd probably. Well, I speak Spanish, so first okay. of all, if someone's yelling tiburon at me, uh-huh. I'm gonna just get out of that water. So that's that's um, how you're doing it. That's probably you're, you're yeah. learning Spanish, and then okay, yeah, well, you know Spanish, um, and then I would just bonk it on the head. Before it bites me. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So here's my line of thinking. I would bleed on purpose, you know? All right. So the shark's coming at me. You cut your hand. So you know it's coming. Right. So you're not surprised. That's my first line of thinking. And then since it's a bull shark, I'm just going to pretend like I'm a matador, you know? Just kind (laughs) of dodge to the side whenever it comes at me. Because it sounds Uh, like it- You could do like the red- blood instead of because you're already bleeding exactly so just kind of make it look like a you know you'd like stand right next to the blood square that you made right <laughs> all right i'm just gonna tell you what you should actually do uh jeff yours is pretty good this time like no spanish and listen to people yelling at you uh mike yours not so good it, you're not fast enough to dodge it probably so if i've actually i've free dove with bull sharks before in florida um the water that we dove in was really clear and that was the the thing that you need to have to actually get in the water with those kind of sharks is clear water and that's because they really do prefer to hunt in in more murky water. It allows them to get much closer to their prey with those different senses and organs that we mentioned, whereas the prey won't necessarily see them coming. So by the time they actually launch their attack, they're really close. So you, the main thing you want to do is avoid being in a situation where you could get attacked by a bull shark. So you don't want to be in murky water. You don't want to swim in like early morning or late evening or at night because, again, they can use that darkness as good cover for them to hunt. So you want to avoid murky water. You want to avoid swimming in the dark. um, And you want to avoid places where like you have rivers emptying out into the ocean because that also changes the water clarity and it brings a lot of food into those areas too. So avoid that. Avoid any kind of like carcass in the water that draws a lot of sharks and then also, also like pay Avoid attention. Avoid a carcass in the water? Yeah, like if there's like a dead whale or something in the water. 
And then also um, pay attention to signs. Like look when you get to the beach, look and see if they've been seeing sharks uh, and Mm. just and just be like very vigilant because you don't want to take any extra chances. If you actually are in the water and you have a shark coming toward you, if you're like snorkeling or underwater, the things to do are to make sure that you keep your eyes on that shark, keep forward facing with it. And if possible, keep something between you and the shark. So if you have any kind of pole or long object that you can keep in between you guys, the shark's probably not going to rush in and bite you. But really just keeping faced, like facing the shark, if it does come in, you're going to reach your hand down and kind of push it away from you as it's coming in to inspect you. If you actually are in the water and you get bit by a shark, the main things to do are not to panic. The more you flap around in the water and splash and stuff, the more it's going to trigger it to want to come back in and continue attacking you. The thing to do is to go for either the eyes or the gills. Now, she hit it on the nose. That can work too. But what some shark experts say is that if you go for the nose, there's a good chance that you could get bit again because they're pretty quick at reacting and they might bite your hand when you go for their nose. Their eyes and their gills are a little bit safer to go for and a little bit more sensitive too. So if you can, try poking their eyes or going for their gills if you're actually being attacked. It's probably different too where she was like kind of halfway out of the water. Uh huh. So you can like hammer down a punch a lot harder. When you're underwater, you can't really punch very hard. And you could, mm-hmm. but you could grab their gills and really rip on those. Right. Yeah. So that's a good point. If you have the leverage, then you could probably hit it, but otherwise you don't really have that. So really, she did great. I mean, she did what she could do aside from like not knowing Spanish and not knowing what those guys were trying to do. And I kind of like, I don't want to point fingers, but there is a good chance in this attack that those guys who were out on the wave runners might have been like kind of almost harassing these sharks. And I don't think they're doing it on purpose. I think they're trying to get them to leave, but they might've been pissing these sharks off. And the one decided to leave and the other one went inshore. And this could have been just an attack where the shark was like feeling territorial, feeling like it was being harassed and decided to like attack something out of that. Well, it seems like for sure, had they not tried to scare him off with the wave runners, she went to God attack. Almost for sure. It's hard to say, but I do think that's like a big part of this is that there's a decent chance that that shark was just feeling very defensive and attacked her out of that. So, okay. um, so let's go to our listener questions. All right. Seems like a good idea to, if you're going on a beach vacation somewhere, just learn the word for shark. Yeah. It's not a bad idea. That's what I, that's what I'm going to plan on doing. Yeah. These guys could have done better like charades. They could have been like, put their like hand the, on yeah, their shark head and, or been like with their fingers or something, you know, <laughs> to indicate the <laughs> shark claws <Yeah>. or like, <laughs> uh, yeah. you guys can't see yeah. me, but yeah. the munch, yeah, he was doing munch. a munch with his fingers. <laughs> All right. So we got a lot of Patreon questions. Cool. Uh, so this is from Ellis and it says, how come Mike was a coward and chose a normal looking anime character to represent him on your all's new merch site <laughs> instead of choosing a big titty anime girl to be his picture? <laughs> you want me so to first feel- of all, <laughs> yeah, <go ahead>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a coward. Uh, anyways, <laughs> it's probably best that I'm not, even though <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't we'll want to pretend it. to be anything that I'm not. Yeah. And a very generic anonymous anime boy is probably about as spot on a portrayal of me as we can get. Yeah. I, pretty good. I, uh, I'm the one that put that up there. And I, <laughs> I think my actual Google term was generic brown haired anime boy. <laughs> <laughs> Even though you're more blonde than brown haired, I guess. But anyway, that was. That's no, perfect. Yeah. 
right. Next one is from Madison, and she says, okay, I have two questions. Would you rather be permanently drunk, but no one knows it, or you're completely sober, but everyone always thinks that you're drunk? Jeff, I think you should answer that question. (laughs) Yeah, so most people, not most people, but a lot of people think I'm high, especially on the podcast, (laughs) like hearing my voice. A lot of my friends, when they first met you two, were like, is your little brother high all the time? (laughs) Yeah. And I never am, so it doesn't. It's not too bad. Yeah. So I'd probably choose, you know, being sober, but everyone thinks I'm drunk. Yeah, it would be miserable to be drunk all the time. I should gather up all the messages I have from friends who I tell to listen to this podcast, and uh-huh. they're like, "Yeah, it's really good." What's wrong with Jeff? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Someone said that Jeff sounds like Jerry Lewis, which was really funny to me. <laughs> Who's Jerry Lewis? He's like a famous an actor slash singer, but I listened to his voice and you guys do kind of have a similar voice. Nice. Anyway. All right. So from Jessica, as someone who has worked with wildlife, including raptors and other predators, I was always told not to look them in the eye as they can perceive that as a challenge. Yet Wes says to maintain eye contact with bears if I were to encounter one, along with other good tips. So they don't perceive that as a threat? Question mark. Is it just certain animals that that applies to? Thanks. Yeah, uh, with bears, it's not a big thing. It's not, you shouldn't necessarily be thinking about that when you're being encountered, like when you have a bear encounter. The things you should be thinking about are grouping up, backing away and getting your bear spray out. Don't worry about eye contact. Don't worry about any of the other stuff. But there are certain animals like, for example, wolves, mountain lions, um, some of the more like predatory animals where eye contact is actually a good thing. If you're focusing on them and you have that eye contact, they know that you can see them. They don't think that you're like prey that they can sneak up on at that point. And it's it's a good thing to do. I've, I've read before with mountain lions, especially once you break eye contact or you turn or something, that's when sometimes that predatory response is triggered in them. So it's good to maintain eye contact with some of those animals. Typically, though, that's like that's pretty far down the list of things that you should be worried about. The main things that you should be worried about um, with bears, again, is getting your bear spray out. If you have it with any other animal, too, using that bear spray. But eye contact's, like, lower on your list of priorities of stuff to worry about. So uh, for anyone out there who's like me, kind of generally ignorant and uneducated when it comes to wildlife, raptor is a term you can use for predatory birds. Yeah, birds of prey. Uh, (laughs) Our listener isn't working. Well, maybe she's working at Jurassic Park. Yeah, she's not. But, yeah, so raptor isn't the... Right. dinosaur in no this like i had a raptor conservation job at hawk watch where i was doing like eagles and hawks and yeah. all sorts of stuff yeah it's raptors really are birds cool of sounding prey. job title yeah <laughs> raptor conservationist um one tip too is don't stare west directly in the eyes for too long <laughs> yeah, don't ever do that he, i get mad he loses it <laughs> yeah. he's strong yeah. this is from luke saw this question once that i'd be curious to hear your answer on what animal, given human intelligence, would most easily take over the world? I was thinking ants. Love the podcast. Yeah, I think ants. Like ants or some other, or like spiders. Probably spiders. Okay. There's so many spiders out there. Ants weigh, the total number of ants weigh like seven times more than the total amount of humans. Yeah, there's a ton of ants. And I think spiders outweigh us too. And spiders kill ants. So I'm going to say I'm going to go with crows. Okay. <laughs> That's a shot in the dark. <laughs> or like sparrows. I, I don't know. Okay. I was also, just because they could get us from the air. 
Or maybe rats. I'm saying it. I'm saying some sort of insect or arachnid, personally. But just because there's so many. Yeah, we can. I crush think them, I would kill eight times my yeah. Amount, you're right. Body amount in ants yeah. pretty easily. But what if they're smarter than us and they can like build force fields and stuff? I mean, ants are pretty smart for their size. Yeah. Can we build force fields? No, but they're smarter than us, so they'll be able to. Oh, smarter oh, than I us. I thought they were I don't as remember. smart. Is it smarter? No, they're human intelligence. Oh, okay. Because I feel like we're if not I smart. was an ant, it's like, okay, like I'm a smart ant, but I'm still tiny and can't do anything. Yeah, and if it's kind of like... <laughs> it's like when I watch a horror movie about a haunted doll, and it's just like, I'm just not afraid of this doll yeah i could just swing it by its little feet yeah. into the wall that's <laughs> what, probably change... what i'd feel like if i met a smart ant yeah and if they're I'm gonna change my answer to monkeys uh-huh. because they have fingers and they could just develop a nuclear bomb and blow us up i feel like if they're just as smart <laughs> as us too all they're gonna do is like watch tv and hang out yeah. they're not actually gonna like attack us they're just gonna like contribute to climate change uh <laughs> Anyway. Well, there you go. Question. That's how they'll yeah, kill serious. us. <laughs> Climate change. <laughs> Fossil fuel extraction. Um, okay. So from Alex, what is the best solution for places like California National Parks where bear spray is prohibited? I'm going to Yosemite for the first time, and our goal is to avoid crowds. Did I say it wrong? I just, Why are you laughing? It's just a chef's kiss whenever you say Yosemite. <laughs> I just love it. Say it. Right. Say it for uh, me. Yosemite. <laughs> <laughs> Yosemite. Yosem- I thought the T is silent. No, Yosemite. Okay, Yosemite. There you go. Yosemite. Um, Yosemite. <laughs> Some people there say it go. that way. That's how yeah. it looks. <laughs> Some people say it that way. <laughs> All right. So their goal is to avoid crowds for the- and go on earlier hikes. The trails seem pretty traverse, but without bear spray, yeah. what are our other options? Honestly, so I think... California National Parks, I think the reason they haven't allowed bear spray in some of them is because they've had people uh, misunderstand and think that it's bear repellent, not bear spray. And so they like spray their kids with it or they spray their tent with it or something like that, thinking that it's going to keep bears away, which is actually the inverse. Like if you spray it on the ground and stuff, sometimes bears will come and like roll in it and stuff. It only works as like an aerosolized deterrent of bears it'll stop a bear from attacking you if it like inhales it and stuff as far as those national parks are concerned they don't allow it i would bring it anyway just put it in your pack or something when you're coming in the gate and then hike with it or whatever can you order it online yeah you can buy it at like costco you can buy it at lots of different places can you in california though if it's legal yeah they sell it it's legal Mm. in california it's just not legal in their national parks so bring it in the park and use it still especially if you're doing backcountry their bears aren't different from other bears. They're more habituated to people, maybe. They could still attack you. You still want to have some kind of deterrent. Yeah, we just had a listener it. who had like a scary camping experience. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's worth it just to have it. And I don't know why they don't allow people, but I think you should have it. Okay, so this one's from Melissa. I'd like to hear about your scariest animal encounters. I mean, mine's just the bear den. That was like a tunnel. Yeah, I think that's mine too. Mike says it's fire ants. <laughs> we've we've done it a lot in the episode, yeah. so we we won't go too far into it. Am I right, Mike? Was it your fire oh, ants? Your dad you, kicking you fire laugh, ants on you? <laughs> you laugh about it, okay. but let me tell you. All right, so from Terry. Never be the same. <laughs> hey, guys, I would like to know what your favorite collective noun for a species is. Uh, litter, 
Litter of kittens, pack yeah. of wolves, pod of whales. Mine's kind of cool. I think a lot of people like this one, but I like murder. Murder of crows. I think that's, that's a good the one. best yeah. one. That one stands out. Yeah. Uh, what's owls are like a, uh, a parliament of owls? Oh, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. That's a cool one. <laughs> yeah. Um, he listed prickle of porcupines. I yeah, didn't know that good. one. Yeah. <laughs> one that's always stuck out to me is uh, a group of albatross are called a rookery. Oh, yeah. A lot of seabirds, it's called a rookery. But a group of rooks is called a building. So I just think that's kind of funny. (laughs) It's not just a rookery of rooks. Okay. All right. So this one is from Lisa. Listening to y'all talk about terrible ways to die in Yellowstone prompted a question in my head. How would y'all like to die via animal attack so that your funeral, whenever anyone mentions the cause of death, everyone falls into fits of giggling because it's so absurd? So, like, what animal attack would be, would be the, the most funniest absurd. way to die? Yeah, huh? Like maybe like being sit on by an elephant. <laughs> That's pretty, pretty funny. Bad. Like if it <laughs> yeah. just sat on you and killed you. I don't know. Yeah, that might be my answer. Being sit on by an elephant. I'm gonna say just getting like electrocuted by a squirrel. They like gnaw through a telephone wire or something and it just falls on me and kills me. <laughs> I think yeah, they bite the all the way through. That's a telephone wire. <laughs> Or if I like slip on a like step on a squirrel while I'm about to go down some stairs okay. and it trips me. <laughs> it's like a I final fall. destination. Die by thing. a squirrel somehow. Okay. <laughs> Does it count as an animal attack if you like choke to death on a chicken sandwich or a beetle? <laughs> I don't think so. But sure, <laughs> choke to death on a beetle. <laughs> yeah, that one. Like when a fly, <laughs> when a fly throw, when a fly flies into your like throat. Oh and yeah, you, like, start like when you're on a, yeah. If it's just like a big old beetle, yeah, that's a pretty good one. <laughs> yeah. I'd laugh if you died that way. I hope you yeah. would. Oh man, I yeah. hope people laugh at the way I die. All right, one more Patreon question from Gracie: If you guys could have any sidekick from pop culture, real life, or anything, who, what would you choose? She chose Mary and Pippin. That's two sidekicks. Uh-huh. Well, she broke her own I'm, rules. Any one sidekick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to do the dad and in Invincible. Okay. <laughs> she's like, he's a bad dude and he has like Superman's powers. But as if he's on my side, then like I'm in But he's like on shape. his son's side and he almost kills him. That's true. I, that's, that's a, a bad terrible choice. choice. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, I'm gonna go with Marvin, the paranoid android from uh, Hitchhiker's Guide. He's okay. he's got the brain the size of a planet. Oh yeah, that's that. a good yeah. one. So yeah, I yeah. think he'd be pretty helpful. Okay, I'm having a hard time with this one. Maybe Groot. Groot's oh, yeah. a good one. Yeah, just like he could give yeah. me fruit. He love those tree. Yeah, powers, he give me fruit whenever I want it. I just want tree powers. <laughs> <laughs> I like I'd like Chewbacca if I could speak Wookie. Oh yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, Jeff. You got an answer? Uh, I'll do Superman because <laughs> your first answer mess with you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Superman relegated um, to the sidekick. That's a that's gonna blow to the ego. Sidekick. <laughs> I know it's pretty cool. Though, <laughs> yeah, like that's for true. Me, yeah. Good know? pick. Um. So from Prodig Yeet, <laughs> uh, favorite animal from a video game, not including Smash Bros. Huh. I, but I mean, Smash Bros. are from other video games, so I'm gonna count it if you do do Smash Bros. Okay, I I want to go last. I don't. I'm gonna have to think about this one for a second. I'm going with uh, Bulbasaur, who's not in Smash yeah. Bros. Okay, but 
but I just really like Bulbasaur. He's always my choice in the Game Boy Pokemon game. Did you go did you go Charmander, Bulbasaur, or Squirtle most? Squirtle. Mike? I'm part of the part of the okay. Squirtle squad. Um, <laughs> Who's your pick for the yours, Mike? Yeah, so there's a really weird niche era of video games back in like the late Oh, I'm not surprised <laughs> that this is what you're doing. Back in the late nineties, three D platformers were really popular and everybody had like a little mascot for their um yeah. studio. And okay. so I don't know. I like I like the chameleon, little chameleon guy from Chameleon Twist. He's got this tongue that he can like swing around little poles on. I think that's pretty cool. Maybe him. Okay. Or Buck Bumble. He's a bee. No one knows what you're talking about. You guys know how I feel about bees. <laughs> uh, bees are dope. You love bees. I'm going to say the Battletoads. I love oh, that yeah. Game. Nice. One of my all-time favorite games. I think I'm one of the 10 people on the earth who's beaten the game Battletoads. See, Jeff told me that a long time ago that you beat it, and yeah. I couldn't believe it. I still, I, I don't think I do. I played it so much. I memorized like every little like up-down thing that you have to do. I, I beat Battletoads. That's maybe the most impressive thing you've ever done. I did it. Um, <laughs> I put a lot of hours into that game. Freaking impossible. Do you have more? Yeah, one more from Kalum More 3. Uh, which animal would you each choose to represent your personality? I'd probably Ooh. pick a raccoon. Oh, that's what I was about to say. Yeah, I think raccoons are Yeah, like- because you're always... Whenever I sit down, the first thing you do is come over and dig in my pockets and pull out my <laughs> keys and start playing with them. So that does fit you pretty okay. well. Um, that's a good I guess I do that sometimes. <laughs> uh, no, more just because they're like a little bit mischievous. Uh, they like they can live in the wild, but they can also live in cities. They're like playful. I like raccoons. I'm a big fan of raccoons. I would say a bear, but I'm probably not a bear. I think I'm more of a raccoon. How about you guys? Uh, I w- I'll go with a rattlesnake. Really? <laughs> I just kind of keep to myself, you know. I like to sunbathe, and if anyone tries to pick me up, I start biting. Them. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Interesting answer, Mike. So I'm gonna go with a manatee. I uh, all right. I always resonate on a very fundamental level whenever I see them, kind of just lazily drifting through the water. That fits. Because yeah. you love swimming, love swimming and you love cows. Exactly. Sea cow. And you love eating grass. I right. love those guys. Cool. They're so cool. You love Good getting questions. hit by boats. Yeah, great questions, guys. Thanks so much. Thanks to all of our patrons. Uh, your questions get priority. So we're we're answering patron questions first. That's what we do here on this here podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, so our next two, our last two categories, how are we messing things up for them? Uh, as we've mentioned before on our shark episodes, we are fundamentally messing things up for sharks. They are an extremely persecuted species. Both the main thing is the shark fin trade, which um, tens of millions of sharks every year are being killed for shark fin soup. Um, they're killed as bycatch for other in other fishing uh, industries. Uh, they're killed out of like fear. Uh, there's a lot of ways that sharks are being killed. Some estimates think that we're losing up to 100 million sharks a year, which is just a number that's hard to wrap your head around. Uh, Like just in the time that you guys have been listening to this podcast, we've lost tens of thousands of sharks. So it is wild. At this rate, we will not have sharks much longer. So the main things, don't eat shark fin soup ever. If you ever see a petition like where a certain country is deciding whether or not to ban shark fin soup, Make sure you make your voice heard. Vote for people that care about these kind of issues. 
they're huge issues. Like this is an alpha predator. This is an animal that's extremely important to its ecosystem. And if you pull it out of that ecosystem, it changes a lot. It things go things go uh, haywire. And so you don't you can't remove something like that. Um, we need global sharks. warming's going to help them out. Though, it's right? not global warming is going to help they'll out have, very few animals. They'll have more territory. Since there'll be less land and uh, more ocean. No, because as the... Uh, Sounds yeah, logical. Don't listen to Jeff on this one. Uh, <laughs> global warming is also leading to the acidification of the ocean. It's killing coral reef. It's killing a lot of the food sources that sharks feed on. It's not a good thing for them. That's another huge problem facing every species on Earth. But sharks are in very immediate danger of going extinct just through fishing. So Yeah, um, I watched I watched Sea Spiracy on Netflix and... Like, I know documentaries aren't perfect, but it really stuck with me. So I made a goal to only eat fish three times a year. That's great. And it's hard, yeah. but I am I think I'm already at two. So I, I got one more, like, fish meal for the year. Yeah. I, I personally, like, about 10 years ago, stopped eating seafood after learning about overfishing and how big of a problem it is. There are ways that you can do it sustainably. There are fisheries out there that are doing it right. If you're very well informed, you can eat seafood in a sustainable way, but there's not a sustainable way to eat shark. It's really hard. Yeah. There's not a good way to eat shark. There's no shark out there that's sustainable. Don't eat it. Don't ever eat shark. I don't think I want to live in a world without sharks. Neither do I. I'm serious. Yeah. I really don't. Sharks are so cool. A much less cool world. I would have a really hard time. So, yeah, that's another thing. If we get rid of sharks, you're going to lose me and Mike, too. Um, <laughs> Jeff will be around. All right. He's everyone's favorite. Go, so. I go. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, finally, do we like this animal? Let's give him our claw ratings. I'll go first. Our sharks are getting 10 claws from me, unless it's maybe like a nurse shark or a more boring shark. Bull sharks are getting 10 claws. They're a 10-claw animal for me. Love bull sharks. I've swam with them. They're beautiful. They're amazing animals. Sharks, I'm absolutely obsessed with sharks in general. Ten claws, ten claw animal. I'm gonna give them nine. Any, sh- all sharks are at least getting a nine claw rating from me. I think my ten claw rating is only gonna apply to my top ten animals, and bull sharks fall probably. I mean, they're outside of top ten. Yeah, you guys are probably being a, a little more precious with your ten claw ratings, and I don't blame you. <laughs> no, it's fine. Yeah, I'm. I'm actually gonna give bull sharks a six. Okay, and I like them a lot. Doesn't but it's sound like, like it. They're not even in my top five favorite sharks. Like I'd go whale shark number one, great white number two, hammerhead three, white tip four. Yeah, those are all ten claw animals for me though, <laughs> all of them. <laughs> right, but like I'm a little more stingy with my are, rating yeah. is the only thing. It's fair. Uh, like I love bull sharks. I'm not saying like like just the way I'm grading it is different than the way you are. Yeah, but uh. I'm going to rank it probably 208 overall. Okay. With cool. six claws? I'm confused. <laughs> six isn't bad. It's not good. The way I rate. Yeah, it's not great. So is it above average? I mean, I'm doing my claws just on animals from tooth and claw that we're going to, I think we're going to. Do you think we're going to okay. get up to episode 206? I hope so. No, but I'm just saying, like, compared to the other animals we've talked about, I don't like bull sharks as much. Okay. No need to get defensive. I am defensive. <laughs> like a bull you shark. You guys are acting like I don't like bull sharks. It sounds like you don't. All right. Okay. I'm so... literally saying I do. <laughs> <laughs> That's it for bull sharks. We're for sure going to have more bull shark episodes. 
Uh, they are, again, like one of the big three, so we're going to be talking about them. Uh, I think they're an amazing shark. I think they're really cool. I think We th- all do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think Nicole Moore is really impressive in the way that she handled all of this crazy attack. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know what? I, I think our listeners are great. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, wow. Hot take. Yeah. So, all of them? What uh, if one of them's a murderer? Yeah. Uh, yeah. What if one of them murdered a kid? Statistically, uh, then I don't like that well, listener. <laughs> if they're just a listener now, if a murderer is a patron, I think I still yeah, like then, them. Yeah, I'll go for it. <laughs> sure. Um, all of you who have bought shirts, thanks so much. Yeah. Uh, we're really happy with how those shirts turned out. Uh, we're really excited to see him out in the wild. So uh, thanks again, guys, for buying shirts. They're still available for sale if you guys are interested. It's just um, toothandclawpod.com. And uh, there's some shirts up there. We're about to have some new shirts from our friend Justice. They did a great job on those shirts too. So we're excited to launch those. And uh, yeah, thanks again, guys. Honestly, um, we we like we like talking about animals. <laughs> All right. That's how we end it. (laughs) We like talking about animals. We sure do. All right. See you guys. Bye. Hey, looks like you made it to the end of the episode. Very cool. Now's the time when we get to shout out all of our new patrons by name. It's just our way of showing appreciation for all you new subscribers. We hope you enjoy all of the perks that come along with it. So let's get started. Thank you so much to Tess, Seth, Hannah, AJ, JPS Dawson, Jenna, Maggie, Kate, Brooke, Akshara, Katie, Jovan, Gil, Josh, Luke, Jeanette, Allie, Katie, Brandon, Emily, Charles, Gabriella, Alex, Nina, Taryn, Melanie, Kimberly, Chloe, Marissa, Barrage, Noelani and Ryan, Maria RG, Julie Hanks, Megan Hanks, Nate, Robert, Katie, Emily, Jennifer, another Jennifer, Jennifer too, we'll call you, Emily, Lisa, Kate, Isabel, Karina, Ty, Maddie, Cora, Nisty, Amanda, Adele, Allie, Amelie, Amanda, and Daisy. Thank you so much. That was a long list and I couldn't be happier that it was as long as it was. You guys are the best. We will catch you all in the Patreon DMs. We love talking to you guys there. And we hope you enjoy all the bonus content that we have in store waiting for you guys. We do really do try to make it worth your while. So thanks again, and we'll see you in the next one. See ya. Hi, listeners. This is Jason Liu, creator of Birds of Empire. I am beyond excited to introduce our new season and dive back into the world of New Dakota. Birds of Empire follows four young people from the clans of New Dakota. The bears, the rams, the birds, and the wolves. Each hero we follow will struggle with their own demons, burdens, and hopes as their battles play out across a sprawling, lush, and brutal landscape unlike any that's come before it. Birds of Empire is a modern folk epic that blends elements of history, fantasy, and myth to tell the story of an incredible world that might one day be. Book one, The Dawn Age, introduced us to the world and the heroes who call it home. Book two, The Seed of White Rock, continues our heroes' journeys as destinies collide, revolution brews, and new alliances are formed. All things return. 
Follow now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to never miss an episode.